This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. She'll be back on the show with us next week. So today, the doors of the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions, from dogs to cats and everything in between. The phone lines sometimes fill up quickly during the show, so if you have a pet question, go ahead and jump on the phone lines or email the question. Uh, Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences that you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those. So to join the conversation, it's a simple phone call, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or you can email animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. Good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing good. Thank you. Um, so, um, uh, we're going into the fall season and that means, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, a lot of people may be coming in and out uh, of house visiting. Uh, and so sometimes I guess our pets may be a little nervous about, uh, you know, visitors to the house that aren't there normally. And also maybe some of the visitors might be a little afraid of, you know, uh, pets. So maybe some suggestions on, uh, during the holidays when people are visiting ways to keep your pet from being too stressed out and your guests from being too stressed out as well? You know, it's, it's kind of an individual thing. You know, some of our pets love to see visitors. Others, you know, they're going to go hide under the bed or <laughs> in their secret place, wherever that might be. Uh, try to do things gradually. Uh, and if you haven't had uh, visitors uh, in the house with a new pet, for example, make sure they kind of get introduced slowly. Uh, you know, it's... Usually they do quite well. In fact, sometimes it's too well, and the pets want to be all over, all over the guests just to be petted and uh, see a new person. Uh, where we run into trouble sometimes is where the visitors bring bring a pet, mm-hmm. and then you have some uh, maybe some uh, territorial type situation. But as far as uh, most of the pets that I can think of, uh, really do pretty well with guests. It depends on the guest, I guess, as well. <laughs> you know, you know, Uncle So-and-so may not be the best person. And take this with a grain of salt. I, I still say that uh, there are pets are a good judge of character. So we have to kind of keep, keep that in mind, too. Yeah, I know, uh, you know when I've, uh, sometimes when I visit my brother in Pensacola, it's to a uh, house sit for him. If he goes out of town, I like to, he likes to have me come down there and just watch after his two cats. And a, a lot of time I'm, I'm asked, well, what do you do with your cat when you're calling? And I said, well, I have someone take care of him for me. And they say, oh, well, you ought to bring your cat down there. And two things. First of all, <clears throat> it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive, and my cat in a um, – in his carrier, he certainly wouldn't appreciate the drive down there. And then, as you said, I, I, there would be, I think, with three cats in one uh, one house, there might be some, some real territorial issues there. So, right. And I think cats are almost worse than dogs about that. Uh, they like their own space. They mm-hmm. like the territory. Uh, of course, you have a dog and a cat. You bring a cat into a dog situation. Usually the cat, uh, depends on the cat, will find a place to hide or a place that the dog can't get to such as your refrigerator top. <laughs> but but uh, that's that's true. 
Um, <clears throat> another part of that, then, again, if uh, if you're kind of introducing uh, human to specifically, particularly a dog, I know I've heard some some sort of things about how to approach them. And one of the things I think uh, that uh, seems to work when I meet a new dog is sort of to offer them kind of the back part of your hand, maybe so that they can sniff and make sure and don't. Because I've heard that if the front part, they, they might be afraid that, you know, that you're trying to hit them or something. It's better not to come down, in mm-hmm. other words, kind of in a, in a gesture of maybe from uh, from your waist out rather than uh, coming down on top. Like a lot of people want to pet the dog's head uh, or cat's head and, Cats are going to, you know, if cats are going to be petted, they'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll sit down, they'll come get in your lap, uh, maybe be obnoxious by wanting to have it too much. <laughs> I've always said, too, that cats a lot of times will go to a person that doesn't like cats, and that's kind of strange, but I've seen it over and over again. <laughs> uh, the cat will literally uh, inundate, uh, if, maybe the wrong word, but will certainly uh, pick out that person in a lot of situations. So I think, as you said, maybe just to take it slow, take it easy. Also, <clears throat> if need be, have an area where the pet can have his space and, and uncle so-and-so can have his space also. Exactly. And, you know, and if you've got a dog that tends to be nippy, which there are some dogs that are, uh, certainly be careful with children. Uh, they are not aware a lot of times of uh, how to approach an animal or this sort of thing. And also, again, I think uh, it's important to remember, you know, dog owners need to know that, when when dogs do that kind of behavior, that's that's what they're doing, especially protective of their house and that sort of thing. So right. some of the things you know to expect and, and can be prepared for ahead of time, I think. Right. Uh, again, it's a pet day today, so if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, our phone lines are open. Give us a call. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Our first caller is Brad from Centerville. Brad, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning, gentlemen. My name is Brad. I'm calling from Centralville. Uh, let me start off by saying I'm a, a city boy on country. I've recently worked my way to a small rural community in southwest Mississippi, and I've been introduced to the lives of feral cats. Mm. And with that being said, they, they enter the property, and then they slowly start to disappear. So any advice on how to find the, what's preying on them, what the culprit is, and how to resolve this, or just let nature play its course? Right, that's interesting. Of course, we have feral cats in rural areas and uh, in cities as well. Uh, there may be something in the order of, say, coyotes. Uh, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. I say coyotes. But um, something may be preying on them. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of times in feral cat population, you may have uh, some pretty rampant uh, viral diseases such as feline rhinotracheitis, uh, feline panleukopenia, which uh, and some of that's similar to parvo in dogs, just to give you an idea of how severe it can be. So there may be some disease going on with those as well. Uh, in answer to your question, I, I'm not sure that uh, I would be able to tell you why they're disappearing. All right, uh, Brad, thanks for the call. Good way to lead us off today. Uh, again, this is an pet, all-pet day on uh, Creature Comfort, so if you have a pet question, you can give us a call. Uh, here's one, an, oh, one, Go ahead. One thing about the feral cat population, and we strongly <clears throat> recommend spaying and neutering, uh, which means in some cases actually having a uh, humane live trap uh, and take the cat to a shelter or a veterinarian uh, to have it spayed and neutered simply because the population uh, can 
almost grow exponentially. And that is one reason we see disease a lot of times, simply because of the population, overpopulation, and spreading disease even to young kittens. And, you know, also I would suggest maybe that uh, the feral cats, when they disappear, maybe not being, you know, preyed upon by other creatures. But, again, we know how cats like to find little tight areas and and hiding spots. So it could be maybe that uh, they've just found an area where they feel safe or maybe they've kind of moved on to another area. I think a feral cat population, I think, would have maybe um, different memory, you know, some some come and go and that sort of thing. Also, though, I would also say – Trying to round one up, you know, that, that old thing about herding cats certainly uh, <laughs> uh, p- applies for sure. Right. <clears throat> Here's an email that says, <clears throat> I'm blessed with a large area full of oak trees and gray squirrels. Once I counted 12 at one time in my backyard alone, but lately I'm noticing several with warbles, which is bot, f- bot fly larva. Should I be concerned about the infestation? Should I consider euthanizing infected squirrels to save the larger colony? It's a great question. Uh, those of you who watch uh, TV may look at the creatures inside me, and people can actually have the warble or bot fly. Uh, it's a cuterebra species. That's the name of the species of fly. And it's very common here in the south. One reason that uh, squirrel hunting season uh, is after, usually after cold weather starts, these uh Bot flies will actually fall out uh, at some point and go through a stage uh, on the ground. But uh, as far as euthanizing the squirrels, unless they're just severely infested and you can actually catch one, I would say that best to leave it alone and let nature take its course. Uh, yeah, very good idea, you know, because that's, again, that's a wild animal. And, and just as you say, they've they survived those uh, before we came around. So uh, it looks like right. maybe, as you say, nature can have a way of, of balancing things out like that. But people can actually uh, have those, but it's not because of the squirrels. It's because of the fact that they, the fly is fairly, what shall I say, ubiquitous. It's fairly widespread. Uh, in Central America, uh, going there, I've seen quite a few. Uh, people uh, in clinics, this sort of thing, that would have the bot fly larva. Uh, it is an all-pet day on Creature Comforts this morning, and it's time for our first break of the hour. When we'll get back, we'll continue talking with Dr. Major about your pet questions. The number to call, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. During the break, see if you can guess the most popular dog breed in Mississippi. Stay tuned. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Let the dogs out. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today we're taking your pet questions. And also, we always want to hear any brushes with wildlife that you might have encountered recently. To join the conversation with a question or a comment, it's 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. 
Before the break, we asked the most popular dog breed in Mississippi. The answer is the Yorkshire Terrier. Yorkshire, Yorkies are re, uh, revered for their portability and affectionate nature, making them the ninth most popular breed in the country, but number one in Mississippi. Uh, some favorite breeds by some of the surrounding states are neighbors in Alabama, like Dachshunds. In Arkansas, they favor the Poodle. Uh, in Georgia, this is an obvious one, the Bulldog. That makes a lot of sense. St. Bernard's in Louisiana, and the Doberman Pinscher in Tennessee. So, um, that's, that's strange, some of those figures that you just quoted. Uh, certainly, uh, if I had, had, would have had to have guessed the two top breeds not registered, and this must be registration uh, figures here, and we do see a lot of Yorkshire Terriers. Uh, but uh, the black lab or labs mm-hmm. probably the predominant breed. Plus, in in Mississippi, pit bulldogs. So you know, it's it's uh, a lot of these animals are not registered, of course. So, mm-hmm. but I understand it's a little strange too that the Saint Bernard. Yeah, that was the one that kind of is, is in Louisiana uh, that they said maybe it's because of Saint Bernard Parish. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's that is that is strange. We'll have to check that a little bit further. <laughs> But that's yeah. good, good information. Yeah, Thank that you. that one was the one that kind of jumped out at me too. Yeah. But but that's that's a good thought there. I like the way you think, Doctor Major. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, back to the phone lines we go. Tahid has called in from Memphis today. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, I'm calling from Memphis, and uh, so I have a. We just got a new kitten, uh, my family and I, and so we're trying to keep him as an inside cat. But yes. what would be some some uh, ways we can, you know, let him enjoy outside because he's a pretty wild thing and he likes jumping around. Uh, is the leash possible or like a gate outside? Uh, so him to hang out. Right, all very good questions. And uh, one of the problems, of course, with outside cats, uh, and in most cases, if you look at longevity, uh, inside cats are going to live usually a lot longer than outside cats. I understand that you're talking about basically an inside-outside cat. Uh, I would say this, that please don't leave the cat out at night. There's a lot of things that can happen at night uh, that can can be detrimental, uh, whether it's another cat coming around at night or some creature uh, to prey on animals like that. Uh, they do make uh, cat tunnels. I, you may have seen these. You could go online and see where you have a tunnel where the cat can go out from a door or a window and uh, actually go out into the yard and have a protected area uh, in the yard. Uh, mm-hmm. So, But, yes, a lot of cats do well as inside-outside cats. But I think mm-hmm. it's wise if you can have a fenced area and just gradually introduce the cat to that area, it probably will do quite well. Okay. All right. But nighttime is a time that uh, we see a lot of cats get in trouble, whether it's fights from other cats coming around or some animal that might come around and bother the cat. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, question. You know, also would say, too, you know, cars. It's obviously much harder to see cats uh, darting around on the roads at night than it would be during the day. So that would be another uh, sure. issue. And some cats do quite well outside. It's just a matter of. The particular cat, I think there's some attrition based on the fact that some of them don't make it. And and that's a bad way to look at it. But uh, when cold weather comes, we see cats that get uh, under the hood of a car because Mm -hmm. it's warm. Uh, A lot of cars may have antifreeze leaks, uh, which antifreeze is attractive to both dogs and cats. 
and can be poisoned and have severe kidney damage from that, even death. So just be careful outside. And it sounds like that Tahiti is talking about maybe uh, gradually uh, introducing this cat outside, but maybe not to have free reign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that maybe, as you mentioned, kind of get him used to being around folks and, and knowing who his family is first and then kind of letting him uh, begin to explore the outside. Again, uh, my brother in Florida, uh, his cat, you know, is an indoor-outdoor cat. And one of them, it's funny, one of them, like staying indoors and laying in the sun and, and sunning. And the other one, kind of when you let him out, he's pretty much out for the day. But uh, it's interesting that uh, around uh, dinner time or, you know, feeding time, uh, he actually will be at the back door kind of insisting to get back in. Right. So those cats know where the food is, that's for sure. Right. Uh, another caller on the line. So we say good morning to Janice from Greenville. Janice, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a... Uh Shih Tzu, uh, uh, Yorkie, puppy, I mean, not a puppy, it's about a five-year-old dog, that's developed kennel cough. Well, the vet put it on a very high antibiotic, and it didn't seem to help. So about three weeks later, I go back and said, this dog is still doing the hacking and coughing. So she put it on maybe a low-grade antibiotic for a month, and it cleared it up, and so for about a month, there was no coughing, no hacking, anything, and now the dog has started back again. Okay. Um, and everything checks. Everything checks out good as far as the dog's heart, this sort of thing. As, yes, as far right. as I know, right. it does. Right. I'm I just mean, trying to think of why, why the dog would cough. And certainly, kennel cough is a broad term. Uh, there are kennel cough vaccines, but at the same time, there are a lot of different strains. Of kennel cough, so it's difficult yeah. to protect against, and it's very contagious. Usually, the course that this runs is two to three weeks, regardless of what you do. I mean, antibiotic yeah. and something for the cough seem to help, but uh, it is kind of miserable for the dog and for you as the owner. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so the cough, as you said, has kind of come back now. It, it did, and you know, one of the things is. We have a park around here, a cypress preserve, and and there's a lot of people that walk their dogs there. Yes. And I'll take my dogs and walk them. And I feel like she got it there. He got it there. And then when I took him back, that's when it seemed like it came back. Yes. So it may not have cleared completely. Usually it's almost a nose-to-nose or very close contact uh, to cause this. Uh, I would be very judicious about uh, cleaning the drinking bowl and uh, just, you know, clean well. Uh, it's a little strange that it would recur again or occur again. So uh, continue to work with your veterinarian and see if there's maybe some other underlying cause that's causing okay. this. Okay. Well, good okay. luck to you, uh, and I sure hope she does. He, she or he does well. Thank you for your help. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for the call, Janice. We've got some open phone lines if you have a pet question for Dr. Major. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 You can also email the show animals at mpbonline.org. While we wait for some phone calls, we do have a couple of emails to get to. And again, we got two emails today with pictures attached. And again, we always say thank you so much because that always helps uh, when Libby's when she's here and Dr. Major kind of figure out what you're asking about if we uh, can have a picture with it. And Trevor sent in a picture last week, and it says, I came across this tadpole in my water feature outside. I've never seen it before. It's, it's quite large. 
Uh, its body is about the size of a half-dollar coin. And, Dr. Major, you said uh, it is a tadpole. Well, it sure looks like it from the picture, and you would think that probably we're dealing with a larger frog, uh, such as a bullfrog or, or one of the larger ones. So, okay. And it depends on how far developed this little tadpole is or big tadpole is. I don't see <coughs> don't see. I don't see any legs right now, so it's still growing. Okay. Uh, and also, Trevor, you know, maybe uh, keep an eye on it and uh, see what uh, comes out when it right. uh, it finishes. And, and it'll be interesting right. to see. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe just a bigger – and that would make sense. You know, bigger frogs would have uh, bigger tadpoles as well. Uh, here is another uh, email uh, that says, I want to ask about flea control for cats using a couple of popular topicals. And I hope I say these right. Spintorem? versus fipronil right uh, do you recommend one over the other and what are the pros cons of each worth uh considering the cost difference well one of the things that we would say as long as it's approved for cats whatever is working for you uh in some cases uh, the fipronil does quite a good job uh there are many others as well and uh some people prefer one of the alcohol-based uh, topicals versus the oil base. Some of the cats really seem to be irritated uh, by the oil base. But uh, whatever's working for you, uh, Frontline, for example, worked for years. And in a lot of cases, <coughs> we see that fleas in some populations have become resistant. So there are other things that will work. So most of these are safe. And obviously with cats, Put it where the cat can't lick it mm -hmm. uh, because they'll lick, literally lick the hair off in many cases. Um, <clears throat> and I use one that um, right now I'm doing it about every five weeks. And I've noticed, though, that as it gets toward the end of it, um, he's he starts – I can start seeing some fleas on him. So is a month apart – I mean, I, I'm just worried about doing it too frequently. So would a, a, an application right. every right. month be okay? If you look at a chart, most of these start to decline in their uh, effectiveness after about 25 days. So usually a month is about right Okay, in most cases. All right. And I've actually uh, – he still doesn't like it, but I've got to the point where I can kind of trap him. Uh, and um, I've gotten better about squirting it right there on that, as you say, that back part of his neck where he, right. he can't get to it. But uh, that's right. one thing that, you know, uh, as, soon as, as soon as it's applied, he and, dashes away and I don't see him for a while. And one of the things we see, if, if they aren't challenged by a new flea population, a lot of times you get rid of the fleas, uh, you don't have a problem regardless of what you're using. Uh, when I say regardless, you always you want to use something that's approved for cats and it's safe. Be careful not to use the dog flea control on cats because it can cause some problems. And the other thing I need to do, I've got some, but I, need, I think I probably need to step up my use. I bought some spray uh, that I can spray around the house, and I know uh, there's one room uh, that still has a carpet, so I think I need to probably concentrate on there a little bit. Uh, but I've been a little bit lax about uh, keeping up with that, but that would be kind of the, the second uh, leg of the, of the flea control uh, plan. Right. Got another caller on the line, so we say good morning this time to Amber calling in from Mobile. Go ahead, Amber. Hi there. So I have a cat named Henry, and I adopted him about five months ago, and he seems to have this really bad respiratory problem. Um, he'll sneeze a lot, and he can barely breathe. I'll have to wake up three times in the night to clear his nose, and his eyes are really watery, and like a discharge, and I took him to the vet, and they gave him like an antibiotic, 
But then it comes back, and it's like long term. I mean, it's right. for five months now, and I can't think of what to do. How how old is Henry? He's five o'clock. I'm five o'clock. <laughs> He's five years old. Five years old. A lot yeah. of times, uh, cats will have a chronic upper respiratory type infection. Uh, yeah. Feline rhinoviral rhinotracheitis is one. It's very difficult to clear up completely. A lot of times you can get it under control, and then if the cat stresses for some reason, uh, uh-huh. it can come <coughs> come back. So I would follow whatever uh, protocol your vet has. Sometimes nebulization will help. Uh, uh-huh. Say <coughs> using a nebulizer. Uh, one of the tricks. Oh, okay. One of the tricks that I've learned is take a cat carrier and uh-huh. take take a garbage bag. Put the, yeah. <coughs> put the carrier inside the garbage bag. <coughs> punch a hole, small hole in the rear of it, and then attach uh-huh. a nebulizer, a mister, uh, to the front. <gasps> so that, that wow. way it's much easier than trying to hold a nose cone on a cat. So, yes. so anyway, you might try that. Talk to your vet about that. That might help clear. And how often would you do that? Well, a lot of times you could do it a couple times a day for three or four days, and wow. it will at least clear up a lot of the congestion so talk to your vet right. about that, and he probably would uh, say a certain use uh, something in the nebulizer cup that would help, uh, such as an antibiotic oh, so great. or one of the other things. So talk to your vet about that, okay? Thank you, guys. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Amber. It's time for another break on Creature Comforts. When we get back, we'll continue taking pet questions. The phone lines are open and ready for your questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. During the break, see if you can answer this question. What's the top, top dog name in Mississippi? Earlier we learned that the top breed is the Yorkshire Terrier, but what's the most popular dog name in Mississippi? We'll have the answer after this break. Welcome back to Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. To join the conversation, give us a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email the show. It's uh, animals at mpbonline.org. So before the break, uh, we asked you the most popular dog name in Mississippi. We've learned that the top dog breed for the Magnolia State is the Yorkshire Terrier. The top dog name is Lucy. Uh, Other popular dog names, Charlie, Bella, Max, Madison, and Rocket. So uh, Rocket, I kind of like that. I don't think I've heard that uh, too often, but obviously it's a popular one. Um, So um, earlier um, the the caller from Memphis was asking about uh, indoor-outdoor cat and, uh, and suggested a leash. And I've always thought, a cat on a leash is crazy, but I've I've seen where it could be done. And obviously, if you, if you wanted to do that, I guess the one of the things would be you need to start when it's a little kitten, so he's used to it. And practice in the house. <laughs> Don't just go to the vet with a cat on a leash that you haven't had it on before or a harness. Now, some cats do well with that. We see a few that do, uh, but in most cases, cats will rebel initially at that, but they may like it at some point. It's a little harder. Cats are kind of like uh, uh, other small animals, very hard to hold uh, if they want to get away. So make sure that it fits well and work with it inside rather than 
going right outside with it. But it can be done. Uh, but I, I, it comes to mind, I remember seeing one where, you know, the cat's on the leash and the owner is kind of trying to tug it, and that cat is kind of just totally <laughs> dug in saying, it's going to happen. Right. Uh, got some more calls to get to. Busy day on the phone lines. Always like to hear your pet questions. We begin again. Another call from Memphis, Kelly this time. Kelly, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hey there. I'm actually calling about a friend's dog. Um, he's an old dog, one of these that kind of, you know, wandered up and moved in, so nobody really knows how old. He um, has this terrible cough, and I kind of suspect that it's heart failure, and I just wanted to know if Dr. Major thought so, too. He, he coughs like he's trying to bring something up. Yes. Uh, with sometimes he's kind of developed like a wheeze now too, and his abdomen is real. Like he's big around, okay. but his abdomen is quite stiff. Like when you pet him or pat him, it feels stiff. Okay, and we don't know how old this dog is. He's probably no, fairly old. He's right? older than ten years old. Okay, though. you know it could be any number of things, and some of them <clears throat> aren't good, obviously. Right. Uh, heartworms could cause this situation, and certainly okay. it would be wise to have him checked for that. And, of course, is the the abdomen hard, or does it feel like fluid uh, if you touched it? It's, it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard right. and, like, right. stiff. Not like, wa- not like a water balloon. Right. More like, um, I don't know. Some of the dogs stiff. that have heart failure or heartworms, Certainly could have ascites, which is fluid in the abdomen, and you could actually tap it and feel it on the other side, kind of balotment, if you will. And that doesn't sound like this. There could be other things. Uh, certainly he could have, and hate to bring this up, but he certainly could have a tumor, okay. uh, uh, cancer, and that should be followed up. How's the dog's spirit overall? Is he pretty good shape? Uh, except yeah, for, he Except he for wags. coughing? Yeah. He, um... He wags. He seeks out, you know, right. affection. He's, his appetite is excellent. Right. Well, I, I think the main thing is, number one, your friend is giving this dog a good home. But I think it'd be wise to have him checked out and just see if there's anything that can be done from the standpoint of uh, the cough. And if it is very serious, uh, you have to think about making him as comfortable for as long as you can. Right. So I, I would say that uh, that would be my think plan would be to get him into the vet if you hadn't gone and get okay. some kind of diagnosis okay okay thank you you're welcome thanks for the call kelly let's uh, move on next we've got uh, mary kate from gulfport you're on the air with us go ahead please good morning good morning i have a lot of officer that i rescued at the humane society and he's a brilliant dog just great <laughs> the white he sits in the window he watches the guards that's his nature right and I want to get him a dog companion. And what kind of the, do I have to get another Lasso Opso out to get a second dog, or would I need to? What breed would be compatible? Because a very he's very obedient and just a guard dog kind of Lasso. Right. Uh, I would. How old, how old is this dog? He's about six. Yeah, I would try to get something comparable size uh, to tell you that. Uh, there wouldn't be some issues. I don't know if he's a, quote, alpha dog or if he's just a member of the pack. Hard to know with just one, you know, one dog. But I would when get... He's, when he's around my brother and sister's dog, yeah. he's not the alpha dog. Right. So so that's good. And it may sound a little bit crazy, but quite often 
we seem to do better with a uh, dog of the opposite sex. Uh, yes, yeah, this, this guy's a male. Right, and thinking in terms of compatibility, for some reason they seem to get along a little bit better. Not to say that uh, two male dogs are not going to get along well. They can. But uh, I'm just thinking in terms of what I've seen over the years that maybe uh, something about the same size. And you can tell uh, if you go to the shelter or wherever to try to get one, uh, temperament, uh, a friendly dog, but not an aggressive dog. Okay? Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm I, thinking of a chip too, and, and he's the quarantine like that dog right now. But right. I can't get down there. But is that more of a yappy breed, or is that a quiet breed? <laughs> okay. Uh, it depends on the dog. We see some Shih Tzus that, that are very good as far as temperament. I have seen others, uh, not knocking the breed, that are a little bit uh, nippy, if you will. Yeah. And according, mm-hmm. according to publications, one thing, because of the dogs have to be groomed, uh, they uh, are no, actually the number one biter as far as dogs. And I, I, I may make some Shih Tzu owners upset about this. <laughs> But according to statistics, they are, and probably has something to do with grooming. And we we see a few that are very uh, apt to bite. So just, you know, judge the dog and and go from there, okay? All right, uh, Mary-Kate, thanks for your call. Let's move on. Next, by the way, we do have some open phone lines, and it is Pet Day on Creature Comforts. If you have a pet question, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-672. Seven four six four. Next on the line, it's Janice from South Haven. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I just moved, and I have an indoor cat. She's about ten years old, and she refuses to go to the bathroom in her normal cat box. Hmm. And you've just moved. I moved. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where is she going now? Is Anywhere it, she can find well, a place to go in the house, but not in her. No, and we moved her her normal cat box, <laughs> and we just put it in the laundry room. And she and I have actually set her over in it, right. and she still refuses to use the cat box. Well, she's rebelling for some reason, and maybe just <laughs> she's not real happy with the move. My suggestion is this: she's ten years old. I think I would confine her to a certain area if you can. Uh, and have a litter box in there, and then maybe add an extra litter box somewhere in the house. Uh, and I know it's not as acceptable aesthetically to have more litter boxes, but uh, if you could confine her for a week or so, and she'll probably, in a small area, she probably would use the litter box. I don't know that, but there's some reason. Have you changed litter? Have you changed the type of yes. litter? Yes, we, we changed litter. We completely well, cleaned and deodorized right. and sanitized right. the box, and that may be the problem. She may not like the smell now. Right, and are you using the same litter that you've been using? Yes, we okay. are. Well, let's give her give her some time. I think she'll catch on, but uh, I would suggest confining her for a while to a certain area where you can, number one, be sure that she's using that litter box, and usually if they're in a fairly small area, She'll do that rather than soiling uh, other areas, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Well, I hope that works. Take care. Thanks for the call, Janice. Let's uh, get one final call in before our next break. We go to Columbus. Carmen is on the line. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Uh, We have a little Yorkie that just 
just goes from berserk when anybody comes in. And um, I tried the thunder jacket. And do you think those pheromones would help her? I think it'd be a good idea. Now, is she pretty calm when no guests are there? Right. Uh-huh. But she, if some noise outside, she'd get pretty excited, right? Right. And I can just shut a drawer or a door right. too loud, and she just goes crazy. I suggest using the pheromone collar. It does work. There are other medications that can can help. You hate to have to give pills every day. Uh, one is called Zilkeen. Most of these pheromones revolve around maternal antibody or maternal pheromones, uh, and the collars in some cases have helped a lot. You usually have to change them once a month, but I've seen that some dogs and cats that have responded well to that, so I would suggest trying it. Should not hurt. Okay, well, uh, all right. Well, I appreciate it. She's just a little, she's a sweet, <laughs> cute little thing, but she's just a terror when somebody comes in. So I thank you for your information. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Carmen. Uh, Time for one last break this hour. It's an all-pet day today on Creature Comfort, so if you have a question for Dr. Major, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And fear not, cat owners of Mississippi, we gave some time to dogs, with the Yorkie being the top breed and Lucy being the top name. After the break, we'll tell you the top cat breed and top cat name here in Mississippi. So stay tuned. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. All pet day today, so if you have a pet question, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can always email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So before the break, we asked the question, what the most popular cat breed and cat name in Mississippi is? The top name is Sebastian, and the top breed is the Persian. Dr. Major and I were chatting uh, during the break, and again, with the dogs, Dr. Major's probably suggesting uh, registered uh, cats, uh, but, uh, you know, to me, I have enough issue with cat hair on my little short-haired tabby. I would imagine... Persians uh, take a little more um, work, I guess, to make sure that uh, that their coat is good. And I would, I guess, imagine regular brushing would be good to prevent matting of fur. Exactly. And it, it can be a problem. Some of the Persians are uh, very difficult to to groom. And it, it is a job and it needs to be taken care of. And a lot of times they have to be sheared at some point simply because they mat so much that you can't uh, comb that out. But they are a very popular breed uh, and, uh, and some very nice cats uh, that we know that are, that are Persian and Himalayan. But uh, those are good, good cats. That's a good point. Um, so um, most, I think dogs, cats, maybe the most popular type of pet for most people to have. But uh, say that uh, for whatever reason a family wanted to have a pet of a different kind, what would you be – what would be maybe your couple of pop suggestions for uh, an alternate pet that's not a, a cat or a dog? Good, good question. We see a fair number, of, and we do see the, quote, exotic species or exotic pets. One of the number one pets uh, for younger kids is a rat. 
um, and I know a lot of people are repulsed by that, but rats are very intelligent. Uh, they don't live very long, uh, which, you know, that's the nature of the rat, but uh, they can be quite quite good pets. Uh, the other things that we see, uh, just a wide range, uh, ferrets are fairly popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, they require special care. We see some rabbits, uh, which can make a good pet if handled properly. Uh, birds, uh, they, you know, they, they have their own special care needs, but uh, we see a lot. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of pets out there that, uh, deviate from, uh, the dog and cat population. But, you know, I know that in the past, when you talk about uh, a dog or cat, you always say, do your homework. And certainly again, with these, maybe uh, less popular, a little bit, uh, alternate, uh, pets, you would certainly want to do some research to make sure you know, uh, what the pet's behavior is. And as you mentioned, any kind of special care that they might require. So, uh, if you're going to do that, uh, you know, have some fun and, and, uh, but make sure that you, you know what you're getting into before you go ahead and, and bring one into your house. Uh, off to Purvis we go for our next caller. Suzanne is on the line this morning. Go ahead, Suzanne. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning. I have a um, dog. He's, I just got him the other day. He's probably nine. Australian Shepherd, kind of small dog that his owner passed away, <clears throat> and I was uh, asked to take him, so I did. And he, he hasn't been starved or anything, but he has been tied up all his life. So, of course, he's positive for heartworms. And I don't know if they can tell by the test if the line is real dark that it's a high positivity that's what they said he's very positive which is not a surprise but i'm wondering the best course of treatment for this dog who's already got some age on him and who possibly has a lot of worms the vet listened to his chest he doesn't hear a murmur but he wanted to start the imidazide or whatever the shot is today but i think they possibly need to be on a course of doxycycline and prednisone for two weeks before starting that. I'm wondering what the safest course of treatment is for this old guy. Okay. I would suggest the doxycycline certainly prior to the uh, first injection. And basically what uh, the vet is recommending is what we call the traditional treatment using imidacide or diraban, which is the same thing as imidacide. Uh, one injection, and then you wait 30 days and give two injections. Right. This is a very uh, effective method of kill as far as the heartworms. I would suggest, if you would, two things, which you may have already done. Number one would be some blood work to be sure that kidneys and liver are okay, or at least within normal range, and also an X-ray of his chest and visualize the heart and see if what kind of shape that's in. I mean, that's just uh, with an older dog, I would definitely do that. The other thing is strict confinement, strict. Uh, he can't be out chasing up and down the right, fence. Right, he doesn't a, do that. He, a, he a, just walks. Okay, okay. And, uh, but in other words, uh, really confining uh, and restricting activity during this treatment. The doxycycline is important because it actually kills bacteria that uh, are in the heartworm and mm-hmm. helps to weaken them, which helps with the overall treatment. Uh, what about this uh, slow kill method, method with the heart guard and whatnot? Slow kill, basically you're giving a uh, medication. Uh, basically you're giving uh, preventive uh, heart guard or some other preventive. Using doxycycline for a month, skip two months, use it again, and continuing the uh, actual 
preventive, just like you've right. had a dog on preventive. Uh, it's a slower method, obviously. That's the reason they call it slow kill. And uh, in some cases, because of activity, it may be better uh, from the standpoint of uh, you trying to keep the dog confined and keeping it quiet. Mm-hmm. So the worms die over a slower period of time uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to rapid uh, within, say, the 30, 45 days. Right. He so, said that they can live from three to five years and that the because of the, uh, I guess, the larvae or whatever the, and the immunoglobulins that can damage the kidneys if they're in there. So I thought, well, we should get them out of there. Right. But being but, that he's been chained up you know, for eight years, he's probably... And he may have had heartworms for eight years or nearly. Uh, so that that's certainly a possibility if he hadn't been on preventive. So you have to consider those things. Uh, usually the dogs will clear uh, with the slow kill method within a year to a year and a half. So that's uh, been my experience with that. So good luck to you. It's, it's a difficult choice sometimes. I think I would follow the lead of your vet, uh, and, and you can always seek a second opinion if you don't. Uh, want to go that route. Okay? All right, uh, Suzanne, thanks for your call. Uh, let's end the show with uh, Karen is called in to say that she has a constipated cat. Okay. Karen? Oh, email? Oh, actually, I believe it's actually Karen Brown, our coworker. So let's... Okay. Uh, Control room. So um, <laughs> he he strained to pass yeah. stool, and it came out in little, like, stone-like pieces how he's also drinking a lot more water than he usually does and i was wondering when he was trying to pass pass through you know right have you uh how old is this cat he's um 11 has he ever had this problem before no okay there's nothing wrong with using some cat laxative which uh some cats love other cats hate and you may get more on you than you do in the cat but uh, Laxatone is the name of one of the brands. Uh, there are other, uh, some ones called Catlax. But uh, I would say that you need to use something like that. It could be hair. Hair can cause some constipation. And usually there, they're throwing up as well. But if this doesn't resolve shortly, you do need to see, see your veterinarian. Okay, thanks so much. All right, Karen, thanks for that. Uh, so just about uh, 45 seconds left, and maybe just to give a quick answer to this email, uh, basically a rescue dog that has a strong odor, thought it might have been food, but that wasn't the uh, matter because when they changed the diet, the smell has not diminished. Bathing masks the smell for about a week. Is there anything they can do to maybe make the dog smell better? Good question. Uh, first of all, we don't know what kind of dog this is. Uh, some of the hounds especially have some odor about them. And I would certainly have the anal sacs checked and possibly have those expressed. It may be that the odor is coming from there. All right. Very good. That is going to wrap us up for today. Thanks to everyone who called in today. And, you know, a lot of rescue dogs out there. So we appreciate you uh, helping out those dogs uh, and and finding a nice home for them uh, to uh, live in. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded and provided in part by listeners just like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to visit mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and the call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, our newest show is Autocorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker and Liz Gill. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.